0: All right, welcome to the Tales from the Bay podcast. I'm Larry Kruger. He is Ryan Smith. We're here to talk 49er football. Niners two weeks into the regular season. We're heading out of week two and into week three. And, you know, this has already been a very dramatic start to the the season for the 49ers. They blew a game. They should have won in the rain and the muck in Chicago at Soldier Field in week one. But they bounced back in week two with a blowout victory at home over their division rivals, the Seattle Seahawks. It was an incredibly positive day, except for the fact that they lost their starting quarterback, Trey Lance, for the year um, to a crushing uh, multiple bone fracture on a run play, an option run up the middle. And, you know, we, there's been so much conjecture this week about this play and quarterbacks running and had the usage of Trey and second guessing Kyle and Kyle being defensive and, um, and just seeing Kyle at the end of the week. I mean, he just looks like he's been through hell. Okay. He looks like he hasn't slept a day this week. Um, Ultimately, you know, I've got a lot of thoughts on it, but I'll I'll say this, right? Kyle Shanahan and the Niner coaching staff must not feel that Trey Lance can cut it right now as a passer. And so they ran him a lot. And people who, you know, want to debate that topic, um, you know, don't. Because they did. They ran him a lot. Uh, the, he, Trey averaged 12.3 carries per game in his first three starts. He was on pat, on path for another game for a lot of start, a lot of carries against Seattle. To put that in perspective, Josh Allen has carried 12 times, only five times in his career. His career is 62 games long. So. In my opinion, it was too many quarterback runs. Um, Trey has more rushing attempts than completed passes. How about that? Five quarters. Ugh, he's, got six, uh, he's got 16 rushing attempts and 15 completed passes so he had carried 37 times in his first three starts coming into into the Seattle game. So anyway, the long and the short of it is everybody's trying to win games. Kyle Shanahan's trying to put his team in the best, you know, best place to win games. He felt like the best way for him to win games was to have Trey running the football. He ran a lot and he got hurt. So now he's out for the year. Um. Don't think that you know. Well, if this happens and that happens, nope. Kyle Shanahan made it perfectly clear he's out for the year, regardless of how uh, the rehab goes. They're not. They're not putting any expectation that he will play any more football this year. So that's bad for his development, and you would think it's bad for the 49ers, except that their odds actually improved. Uh, for winning the Super Bowl in Las Vegas after this injury. So that is kind of a statement about how raw people felt collectively Trey Lance was. And I think the general consensus is that it's an upgrade to go to Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't necessarily share that because I thought Garoppolo floated some really bad passes in the second half of this game and threw for like 60 yards in the second half. Um, and had a number of balls that could have been picked off. We'll see if um, you know he still has that kind of good fortune on his side. I don't want to call him lucky, but he I'm definitely it's like he's effective and he gets it done and the team has a calm about him, but he clear makes these clear mistakes and it kind of makes you wonder exactly is he in, <laughs> did they just upgrade? Did they downgrade? I think it's probably very close. At the end of the day, they're going to make mistakes. They're just going to make different mistakes. So ultimately, though, um, Rye, I think that the 49ers come out of this heading into the Denver game. Now with Jimmy Garoppolo as your starting quarterback, Brock Purdy is number two. They worked at a bunch of quarterbacks this week. They arrived on Kurt Benkert. I watched him practice yesterday. Um, Interesting, big-bodied guy, but just a third quarterback. We'll see how he plays. But there are so many positives outside of – to me, there's been so much conjecture and so much filibustering on Shanahan, the quarterback, the injury. You would have thought they lost 27-7 <laughs> yeah. if you listen to the local market. Well, it, it is. it's hilarious that there is – There's like the story around the Niners, and then there's the story around the Niners. Well, the story around the Niners, the first one, is Shanahan and the injury and Trey and the usage and Garoppolo and the soap opera. But when you get beyond the soap opera story, there is a dominant defense, a number one rated defense. Nick Bosa at the apex of what almost promises to be a Hall of Fame career. Um, the one, the couple things that really have shown up is that the 49ers have two defensive lines. Now, they got a great number one defensive line. Nick Bosa, Samson Ebukam, who was their best rusher in Chicago in week one. Those are your ends. Javon Kinlaw, who at times can be overpowering and is enormously strong and, and the veteran stalwart Eric Armstead. That's their number one line. And it's a damn good one. Damn good. But the story with the Forty ers is the emergence of their second line. Kevin Givens played three, uh, played six snaps, made three tackles against the run. He looks terrific. Hassan Ridgeway on the interception that went to Tayshawn Gibson—that um, was that was a Hassan Ridgeway bull rush. Uh, where he bull rushed the guard right into the lap of Geno Smith, and Geno threw a pass. Hafanga tipped it. Gibson picked it off, and and Ridgeway really was the guy who caused that whole thing. He's enormously strong. Uh, Drake Jackson is. This is the best player Nick Bosa's had opposite him since D Ford, uh, the year they went to the Super Bowl, and and Drake is just beginning to scratch the surface. And then if you looked at how the the players were graded out this last week, Charles Menogue had the sixteenth best um pass rush rate of any defensive lineman in the entire league. Now, Bosa might have been like third or fourth on that list. But, I mean, for Ridgeway to be 16th, he's your second-team defensive end. So that's your second. And then Kerry Heider is a veteran. We talked to him this week. He's very effective at all times. So you've got five D linemen behind your starters that are balling. You've got three linebackers who are all flying around. Hafanga is playing like a Pro Bowl caliber safety um, he, I mean, his, the safety play, which a lot of people thought was going to be a weakness.
1: I, I mean, I think going, going into the year, I'm not sure if we said it on the first podcast, but our biggest question marks were sort of, you know, the interior O line, you know, they're starting a second year guy in Banks and they're starting a first year guy in Burford. And then the, the safety depth and the safety play these first four weeks without Jimmy Ward. And guess what? If You look at Pro Football Focus, which I mean, they're not God, but, hell they they watch all the plays and they have Hufanga out of all safeties including free and strong ranked number two so far and they have Tayshaun Gibson ranked number four like this is insane I mean Jimmy Ward we caught up with him last week on the interview on the podcast he was like we were asking about the tight ends and he's like nah my safeties aren't gonna allow allow any of that stuff (laughs) they're they're gonna run trick plays what'd you see Seattle couldn't do anything. They tried to run a crappy trick play to DJ Dallas in the, oh, how in bad the red was that? zone. Oh my God. That was they got bailed out there. But, but I mean Hafonga's been incredible. incredible. For two games.
0: He uh, Talanoa has gotten his hands on more passes, three, than he's allowed receptions, two, on six targets. So he added two run stops. He also had a pressure on the quarterback. He sees the field, he reacts. This guy was a special teamer last year. He's playing like a 10-year starter and a Pro Bowl caliber player. It's an amazing thing to watch. Tayshaun Gibson is a ball hawk. That was a terrific addition. This guy's got 28 career picks. So then you added Sammy Womack. You added Mooney Ward. You don't even have Jimmy Ward back yet. And your secondary looks E-man. tremendous. E-man looks incredible. You got Mosley. But, I mean, Verrett's sitting there. He hasn't played. He's damn good. Dante Johnson's super reliable. He hasn't played. He's on practice squad. I mean, they are loaded on the back end. Their linebackers are elite. They're loaded up front. They This D'Amico's defense is the story to me through two weeks. I mean, they just suffocated Seattle this last week in the second half. And then the highest graded, you kind of touched on it, the highest graded, the other big question was, how's this interior line going to (laughs) play? You know, with Burford and Banks and uh, Brendel. And the Niner quarterbacks, every starter on the O-line, Trent Williams, Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, Mike McGlinchey, they all played all 78 snaps against, or 76 snaps against Seattle. Um The Niner quarterbacks were only pressured twice. There was only one hit on the quarterback all day, and it came when the Seahawks blitzed, Uh, you know, one more guy than the Niners had to block. Aaron Banks was the highest graded offensive player for the 49ers this week according to pro football focus we talked to him you saw him in the run game i mean this is an incredibly improved player and i'll give it to john lynch john lynch in the midst of all the where the hell's banks what the heck's going on this guy was a second round pick he came out last year when banks hadn't done anything and he said hey hey we, ne- we think Aaron Banks is still going to be not just a good football player, a tremendous football player. So those of
1: you burying Aaron Banks, beware. You know, Banks is coming. And his how about his personality? We, we caught up with him. He, he's got kind of a funny – if you just listen to the audio, he sounds a little, you know, like he's kind of giving you nothing answers. But he's always got a little smirk on. And uh, catching up with him, man, he just seems like a super humble dude and – he was just like, you know, last year I wasn't in shape. I wasn't ready. I was bad last year. Wasn't ready. And he's like, this, this year, man, like we're not listening to any, any of the media. Uh, essentially saying like, sorry guys, but we're not listening to any media. You know, those guys are locked in him and Burford are boys. They're running things by each other. Uh, it's, it seems like a collective group. You know, it's sometimes it's hard to see. What is that term? Uh, just you can't see the forest. You can only see the trees with well, the trees were like the quarterback competition and that's what everyone got lost in. But now that we're kind of out of that and it's kind of like, okay, it is Jimmy. You look around. This is the most complete team that 2019 team. I would say was it was an all time ish defense. This is a deeper, more well rounded defense than that year. So, uh, everybody's healthy. For, with the exception of Jimmy Ward, and when Jimmy Ward comes back, it's just like, uh, in, it's the best gravy of all time on the mashed potatoes. I mean, it's, it's, it's seriously, uh, this set, this sets up for a very interesting matchup this week, Lair, cause you got two teams kinda, I feel like the Niners are ready to make a statement on Sunday night. I think George Kittle's going to be back. I think you know Jimmy's going to have a full week of practice. And then you got the Broncos who have been just you know they uh, basically just shot themselves in the foot a zillion times these first couple games. I don't think the scores are necessarily you know if you look at the yardage and the all that kind of stuff. Like they way outgained their opponents. Um, they are just like zero for five in the red zone. They've had a bunch of crappy things happen. But guess what? Kyle's great on the road. You could say, oh, it's Denver. Who knows Denver better than Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan. They're going to get their guys ready. And then you look at Denver and it's like, they are a talented roster. They have a great defense and Russ is great, but they have a first time head coach, a first time offensive coordinator, a first time defensive coordinator and it looks like it. Yeah. No, that's a great point right. He they
0: they have they've changed everything in Denver. You know, they've had as you said, new coaches, new coordinators, new players, new new quarterback and it looks like they're just kind of finding their way. It might be a great time to get them. The challenge is always on the road, but as you said, the 49ers have a better road record under Shanahan than a home record. They're 500 on the road, they're sub 500 at home. Um they, you know, the the forty nine. The one thing is, you know, the two guys that are really elite on the perimeter for Denver are Patrick Sertan, the corner, and Jerry Judy, who's now emerging as a star receiver. We saw him go up top for a bomb in, in uh, the opening night game against Seattle a couple weeks ago. Both those guys are hurt, and there's a very good chance neither is going to play.
1: Sounds so. like Judy is almost, like, there's almost no way. And it sounds like Sertan is taking it day to day, but yeah. can't be 100%. I mean, neither of
0: those guys is going to be 100%. But for the 49ers, yeah, the overwhelming, you know, how, how good would their secondary be? The secondary looks great and and loaded how you know how they lost dj jones and they lost you know cantavius street and how good would the d line actually be the d line they've got two d lines and both of them are starting caliber the niners second d line it could easily start for... This could be the number one D-line for a lot of teams. A Menahue Ridgeway, Givens, Drake, Jackson. That's a tremendous D-line. That's their number twos. And then, Rice said it. I mean, Burford and, you know, Brendel, but definitely Burford and Banks. I mean, Banks looks like... He only allowed one pressure. He mauled in the run game. And just when you watch Aaron Banks, you look at him and, and you say, Wait a second. This isn't Joshua Garnett. This is a guy who's rounding into what looks like a guy who could be a 10-year starter. So, um, Very exciting development if you're the 49ers at this point. Uh, Debo and Iuke and Jennings and Danny Gray. I and mean, the receiving game is very strong. Now you've got the veteran quarterback in there. Uh, I thought Ty Davis-Price and Jeff Wilson, neither of who are your number one starting running back, both of them ran very hard this week. So the real positives, though, is that O-line is legit, and those guards are just Maulers. And you mentioned Pro Football Focus before. Pro Football Focus had a ranking, Rye, of pass-blocking grades for guards. And Zach Martin of the Cowboys is number one. James Daniels of the Steelers is number two. Spencer Burford is third. And Aaron Banks is fourth. Oh my god. That is insane. So those are the the Niners have these two baby monster guards in Banks and Burford. And they're, you know, just games, you know, a couple games into their career, they're already rated as top five pass blocking offensive guards. So obviously those numbers are based on a very little and they got to keep continuing to improve. And if you talk, we did talk to Banks and Burford and you can just tell great prospects. I mean, smart. Um, they can talk about what they need to do to improve. They've got perspective on what they're doing out there. I mean, these guys are, it's exciting. I mean, those are, those are foundation piece players that the 49ers are going to have for the foreseeable future. And the O line and the secondary, the two biggest questions are, don't look like questions right now. No.
1: I think it seriously comes down to at this point, the way the NFC shape it out. I mean, I think it comes down to if Jimmy can stay healthy and, or at least, you know, only miss <laughs> one or two games. I mean, I I wouldn't take any other team against them right now in the NFC. I think that they are the most complete team. And, you know, I Shanahan, he loves the bright lights. He loves these uh, Sunday night, Monday night games. I also think that Russ is not, I mean, Russ got booed in Seattle. Then he got booed in Denver. The guy owns the 49ers. Uh so 16 and I, 4, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's he's feeling a little uncomfortable. Here's some comfort food for you. Uh here's the 49ers coming into your home place on Sunday night. You know he's gonna be out there doing all of those stupid rituals and fake high-fiving people before the game on national TV cameras. He's gonna be ready. Um it's <laughs> it's just a really it, it's an exciting game, and the Niners, you know, they're one and one, but the Rams don't look that great. The Seahawks don't look good at all. The Cardinals, you know, they tripped and fell into a win last week. Uh, so it's, it, things are setting up nicely. And I, I mean, this is a, it's a fun matchup because like, um, our guy Nick, sorry, I'm forgetting his last name that we had on, uh, the beat writer for the, for the Broncos, uh, yesterday. Uh, oh, uh, Cosmiter, Nick Cosmider, the athletic. He was saying, you know, this is the Broncos are looking forward to this because this is their first real test. You know, I mean, they didn't play in the preseason because Hackett is a descent. You know, he's a disciple of um, LaFleur and LaFleur doesn't play his guys in the preseason. So they came in. You could maybe say they're a little rusty. The coaches are a little rusty, but they played this kind of crappy Seahawks team that we that the Niners, you know, beat the hell out of, and then they played the Texans, who were a little feisty, but still not, you know, still a bottom third team in the league. This is their first real matchup, you know, and I think the same thing for the 49ers. These, both of these teams were considered to be 10 win teams by Vegas before the season started. I mean, this line opened, this is what scares me a little bit. This line opened in the summer, minus three, uh, Broncos at home, minus three. So essentially saying the Broncos are, you know, a little bit better than the Niners. The line has moved all the way to the Niners minus one and a half, which seems like a bit of a... Kind of a crazy well, overcorrection, but it, you know, I think
0: everybody took a look at Denver, and on paper they look really good. They've got a lot of weapons, Russell coming in, but then you know we talked we talked about this the other day. As far as um, you know, NFL and and roster changes, there's so much about your continuity in, on offense. I mean, offensive football is about cohesion. It's about reps. It's about being in lockstep together. And it being efficient. And so when you take a quarterback or any, pos- any player who touches the football out of, you know, team A and move them to team B, their loss is felt more from team A than their gain is from team B because it takes a while to build those reps. So yeah, I think Russell was a nice addition by Denver, but. It's going to be, you know, it's going to take a while before he's got a, a rep or, you know, a real feel like he had with Lockett and Metcalf. Now with Cortland Sutton and Alex O and Jerry Judy. And it's just going to take a little time. I mean, they've got a pretty good offensive line. They've got Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon in the backfield. I think that's going to be a huge challenge for the Niners. Can they slow down that combo? Javante can catch it. Uh, Gordon, both those guys are good running backs. So they've got a decent line. They've got a good running back. They've got Russell who's got had huge success against the 49ers. And now, and now it's a matter of, you know, can the Niners slow down Cortland Sutton? I think they probably can because they've got the secondary this year to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and can with the 49ers
0: conversely run it on D.J. Jones? I mean, that's the – you know, D.J.'s a really good run defender. Um, you and, know he's going to be fired up for this game too. Yeah. And k And he's quick and he plays with leverage. And so can the 49ers maybe run outside away from D.J. Jones? I think that's going to be something to look for. And then without Sertan – you know, maybe they can make some plays in the passing game down the field. I mean, I, I, I think I'm, that's the one area from week two to week three. I think I'm looking for the biggest improvement. I felt like Garoppolo looked like a quarterback who was in badly in need of reps. In that um, in that game against Seattle, and he, you know, Shanahan was really smart going into that game. He made Jimmy the scout team quarterback, so Jimmy would get more reps because he knew he needed those reps. But I think he's going to be benefit even more this week from having the number one practice reps and just, you know, just just being able to kind of mentally know that he it's his game as opposed to preparing as the backup. I mean, you can say you prepare the same way, but do you? Um, I don't know. I, I think I expect Jimmy to be sharper this week than he was against Seattle.
1: Yeah, and that's one thing I'll give Jimmy, man. He came in, and he seemed comfortable right off the bat. Um, you know, the guy, he's a little, you know, sometimes it hurts him where, you know, he'll throw a pick, and it's almost as if it didn't happen. You know, he'll he'll go right back to uh, the same exact throw which can be frustrating at times, but also, I mean, that's kind of what you want in a quarterback, a guy who just forgets. And he came in there, he immediately, I mean, he said after the, the game that it was kind of like 2017 vibes versus the the Jaguars. You know, he was kind of out there. He didn't completely know the whole offense. You know, they kind of had this whole scheme built around the read option and whatnot, and he was kind of chucking it. Um, I think that the the big thing, and Greg Cosell said this this week on KMBR, Lair, um, are we going to see more explosive down the field plays from Jimmy Garoppolo? Because his healthy or his shoulder looks, you know, it looks healthy. He looks uh, his arm strength's about as good as it's ever been. Um, I mean, he took that shot. He took some shots. He took that shot to Ayuk that was actually a dime that that Ayuk dropped. And then on fourth and eight, he chucked it up to the end zone to Danny Gray. And Danny Gray, when we caught up with him, and I think we may play that interview at the end of this podcast. You know, he said, "Man, it put a smile on my face that he he trusted me." You know, uh, on some bomb on fourth down in the end zone, and I think Kyle part of the reason why he wanted Trey is he needs a more explosive down the field passing game. In 2019, I mean, they got a lot of explosive plays, but a majority of them were you know Mostert or Breida, you know, running. You know, they're so fast, and and they would just bust through the line and run for 60 yards we're not really seeing that this year with like Jeff Wilson and and Jordan Mason is to be seen true to be determined so and 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 it was everything in 2019 was all off of play action play action boot play action boot well unfortunately because Kyle's offense is so dang good uh you know people are getting more used to the Shanahan offense and all the boot action and 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 a lot of those explosive plays have been taken away so I I hope, uh, and and I, I would love to hear what your thoughts are, Lair. I hope to see Jimmy still taking some shots to Danny Gray, taking some shots to Ayuk Deep, um, just to open this offense up. Uh, I. It just, I th- feel like it would make a massive difference.
0: Well, I mean, okay, there's, there's, you know, you can't get deep unless you have guys who can get deep, like can run that well. And so, the addition of Ray Ray McLeod and Danny Gray give them those, those vertical threats. But just because, the, you know, you got a guy who's sub four three, you don't have to throw the ball thirty, forty yards down the field. You know, I think you're going to see big plays, but I think you're going to see big plays the way that Jimmy feels more comfortable completing those big plays, which are, you know, underneath hitches, stuff closer to the line of scrimmage, and then Danny Gray busts one. Yeah. Or, or Ray Ray McLeod bust one or Ayuk bust one. I think he'll, I don't think he's going to try to throw it quite as far down the field as maybe they would have with Trey Lance. Um, because it just doesn't fit Jimmy's skill set. I do think in this game plan, there were, they activated Danny Gray. Uh, he only played three snaps, but they, he did have two targets. Yeah. So. I think part of the game plan against Seattle was go down the field to Danny Gray. And so when Jimmy stepped in, they maybe stayed with the same game plan. I do expect them to get some big-time chunk yardage plays from Gray this year, but I wouldn't be surprised. And we talked to him about this. I asked him about this yesterday. Um... I said, do you prefer, you know, catching the ball deeper down the field, or do you like the the hitches, the slants, the stuff, for, you know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage, make one guy miss and then make your big play after the catch. And he's like, hey, you know, he was cool, man. He was just like any way it comes. Yeah. Know? I'll take it any way it comes. I, I like the short stuff and making a guy miss, and I don't mind going down the field and catching the bomb. So I think just because it fits Jimmy's skill set, you're gonna see Jimmy get the ball to Danny Gray underneath, especially when the Niners play on faster surfaces, domes, carpet. You know, you're going to see Gray hit from Garoppolo on 8- to 12-yard passes, and he's going to turn them into 50- and 60- and 70-yard gains. And that element is, is still yet to be seen, and it's exciting because – um You know, Danny Gray is a really, really good receiver, almost the perfect skill set to add to what Debo gives you. The Debo uh, average depth of reception in the Seattle game was negative a yard and a half or negative a half yard. He he caught, on average, his receptions a half yard behind the line of scrimmage. So they're not even, forget down the field, they're not even going up the field <laughs> with Debo. They're getting him the ball like a running back in the backfield. Um, so they do need somebody to push the ball down the field too, and Gray and McLeod and Ayuk are those guys.
1: Yeah. And so I say we get into uh, prediction time here. Uh, what What are you thinking for the game? I mean, it's, I, I, you have to think, I mean, the Seahawks have put up 16 points in back-to-back weeks, but that is with pretty much, you know, if you talk about the recipe for losing a game, it's, you know, you mean, uh, ball, Denver or sorry, Denver, that recipe for losing a game is, you know, don't do well in the red zone. Don't do well on third downs and turn the ball over. And they've been doing all three of those. So if they can just clean that up a little bit, they, they put up 16 points the last two weeks. I'm expecting Seattle. I mean, sorry, I, I get messed up because of Russell. I'm expecting Denver. Um, I think the Niners are going to jump on them early. I think the Niners are going to put up about 28 points and I would not be surprised if the game comes down to in classic vintage Russell Wilson versus the Niners style with Russell Wilson driving and you know, maybe getting touchdown and you need a two point conversion to tie the game or something like that. I'm going to go 28, 26 Niners. Uh, I guess you would say that then the Niners do cover the spread. So that's, that's my prediction.
0: Um, I'm going to go 28 13 49ers. I, I think 49ers are going to win this one. The more I look at it, because if you take away Judy, you take away Sertan, you're really taking away what makes Denver scary on the perimeter.
1: And they lost their Pro Bowl safety. And they, I mean, they've cluster injuries at this point to the wide receiver position. I mean, Sutton's great, but the fact that they lost Tim Patrick earlier in the year and then they now they were going to be without Judy. I mean, uh, our guy, our guy, Nick Cosmiter said it, you know, he doesn't quite even have the trust yet with Albert. Oh, he's actually has a little bit more trust with the backup tight end. So, you know, it's not going to, you know, Seattle, the scary thing when he was on Seattle was, you know, the guy could be falling down and, and not even looking. And, and he was so comfortable with Lockett and DK. It seemed like he could just chuck it up in the air and it would just land right in the breadbasket 35 yards down the field. He doesn't have that same rapport with anyone but Sutton. So
0: yeah. that's a great, that's a great point. Uh, Javante Williams is a, is the best back the Niners will have faced. Yep. Um, and hes he really is, a, a, you know, he's big, he's physical, he can catch it out of the backfield, he's fast, he's got great contact balance. They're really going to have to hit him hard, and they're going to have to wrap up on him. They're going to have to gang tackle him because he's a big-bodied guy. So that's a real challenge for sure. Um, but I think, you know, the one thing is Nick Bosa. I mean, I, everything. all roads lead back to Nick yes. Bosa. He's on pace for 25-and-a-half sacks. And eighty-five pressures. He had seven pressures and two sacks against Seattle. The presence of Ebukam and Drake Jackson opposite Bosa has given him, you know, he's he's his effort is incredible. He's he's just motor is constant, and now he's got another defensive end that's flushing guys back in his lap. So, I mean, they've Ebukam looks terrific. Drake Jackson looks terrific. These guys are playing really high-level football. And so when you put those guys opposite Bosa, and now you actually have quarterbacks running towards Nick Bosa, and that's what we saw in this last game. Um I think Bosa corrals Russell. I don't think Russell's moving as well as no. as I remember him moving and without or he's, or he's not willing to. Yeah, I just I I think the Niner D-line wins this one. I think, you know, Denver's a tough place to play. The altitude, national TV, um, you know, Russell's been exceptional in, in those big games, exceptional against the 49ers, but the 49ers talent is better. And they're just more advanced as a football team. and I, 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 you know, I think they'll win this game and cover kind of you know a little bit more on the easy side. I think the four, it's really going to come down to can the 49ers run the ball? Because that that's really it. If they can run the ball with Jeff Wilson, they're not going to have Ty Davis Price, so they are going to have to lean on Jordan Mason in this game, which will be fun, which will be good, yeah. Because Jordan Mason's a, a dude. He's a I dude. Mean, he the, he's you know 230 pounds, and he's no picnic to kit to to tackle. So I'm eager to see Jordan Mason behind Jeff Wilson. But if the Niners can run it, they'll probably get Kittle back in this game. Um, You know, I I think I think they're going to put up four touchdowns uh, and and I think their defense is the story and they're going to keep Russell to 13.
1: Yeah, I still I'm still it sounds crazy, but man, if you can go look and and get Nick Bosa still at whatever it is, 101 to win MVP. I mean, especially with this changing quarterback now, if the Niners defense is as good as 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 we kind of think it is, you know, and Bosa ends up with 23 sacks. Uh I mean, it's going to be he's going to be in that conversation for sure. And I think that the defensive player of the year already, maybe it's too early to say, but with T.J. Watt out, I think it's a two man race. It's Nick Bosa versus Micah Parsons who can stay healthy. And I think that the Cowboys are going to be much inferior to the to the Niners. So I think that Bosa will get the nod. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No question. Bosa Bosa looks like he is going to have the best year of his career this year. And this is, is the. I'm I'm really eager to see what Drake Jackson becomes in the month ahead because Jackson's got enormous talent and, you know, he's, he's, his motor's great, really smart kid. um, And he's getting better and better and better. I was looking at some of the snaps for the D line. In this game, it Bosa got 36, 34 for Armstead, 28 for Amenahue, 22 for Abukam, 21 for Kinlaw, 19 for Givens, 14 for Drake, 14 for Hyder, 7 for Ridgeway. So, I mean, they're spreading it around and, and Menahue's playing at a super high level. So's Given. So's Drake. So, you know, if you're Chris Kocheric, you can literally run your guys out there in waves. And I think it's going to overwhelm, um, you know, Denver's offensive line.
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and guess what? Here's, let's predict the narrative a little bit. Um, I know we're wrapping soon, but, you know if the niners go out and they truly dominate russell wilson on national tv like we're kind of saying they may the hype train starts the hype train gets you know it's on the tracks everyone will have been watching this game i think a lot of people you know especially for bosa
0: because if yes. bosa if bosa has the bust out game on national tv suddenly it's like big bad nick bosa and he could be the he could really Improve his defensive player of the year award uh, candidacy with a huge game here.
1: Yeah, you know what actually would be a fun bet if I was like DraftKings or something, no free ads. Uh, I, I would do uh, just because of the the two the Sunday night game and the Monday night game. I would do I would set a line who has more sacks between Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons because <laughs> the Cowboys are playing Giants on Monday night. That that would be a fun one. Right. Uh, um, yeah, and uh, you know so. We are going to uh, lead in right now to uh, our interview with Broncos, uh, with Broncos beat reporter for The Athletic, Nick who who is great. And then we're going to tack on some interviews with the players. Uh, who would you like to throw in this week for, for everyone? I'd say definitely Tayshaun Gibson. Tayshawn Gibson was excellent. I thought Aaron Banks was good.
0: Um, Both those guys were really, really good. Danny Gray was great. Danny Gray. Danny Gray, Um, interesting. I asked him where he got his toughness from, and he had a very interesting answer. I think everybody's going to enjoy.
1: He's also a Warriors fan, which is awesome.
0: (laughs) Exactly. You pressed him on who's his NBA team, and he's like, man, I was a Warrior fan back in the KD
1: days. (laughs) Wait, by the way, I don't know if you caught this, but I just thought it was funny because you know, I... Hey, I'm, co- I'm a converted 49ers fan, so I have a hard time sometimes not dropping the W.E. And he dropped the, he dropped the Wii on the Warriors. He's like, before we got KD. He's like, all in, that's man. That's awesome. He's a Warriors, and he's always going to be a Warriors. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, and then, heck, maybe we'll throw on Jake Brendel, too. We might just throw in all four interviews from yesterday, back to back to back to back. To back. Um, and uh, with that, here's Nick Cosmiter.
0: All right, Larry Kruger, Ryan Smith, and Nick Kosmider from The Athletic in uh, Denver, Colorado. 49ers getting ready to take on the Denver Broncos. It is week three in the NFL, and Nick is with us to help us uh, preview the game. It looks like his connection looks like it's a little on the slow side there. So <laughs> we're off and running. Um, so i will just have to wait a second here as, as this, uh, as this starts to wind here. Hey, Nick.
1: Hey,
0: how's it going? Well, Nick, thank you for joining us. And we wanted to get you on here to talk a little bit about the 49ers and the Broncos. And, um, obviously, this is a, a new era for, for Bronco football. You get a brand new head coach, uh, brand new quarterback in Russell Wilson. In your opinion, how have the Broncos looked in the first two weeks of the year? Yeah.
2: You know, it, it's funny because there's a tendency here, I think, to measure. Everything against the past six years, which of course is uh, six years with no playoff appearances, the longest stretch for this team since they've been in the NFL. Um, so I think the fact that there has been some, you know, some hiccups, um, you know, from a, from a game management perspective, from a uh, penalty perspective, from a not finishing in the red zone perspective, those things I think have, um, stung fans a little bit here in the first two weeks because um, you know, those were kind of the specific things, um, that have plagued this team for the last six years that they were hoping, um, this new era would help them avoid. But I, uh, you know, I think when you look at it, all the newness, right? You have, you have new head coach, you have a new franchise quarterback, you have a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, you even have new owners. So I think there was this, um, you know, kind of hope that, that it would all just click together seamlessly. But I think what you're seeing is kind of probably the more, realistic thing that um as much as there's talent and they've moved the ball at a more efficient rate than they have recently um there's still some kinks that they're very much trying to
1: work out well yeah i mean the defense the, the de- d I'd, I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are on the defense because the defense is you know what they've allowed they've allowed what 16 points and uh or sorry i, I botched that what how much do they allow versus the texans yeah, so it was it was 17 against Seattle and not 9 against uh
2: Houston, so they're at, okay. they're at 26 points total for the year. Um they haven't given up a touchdown in, in in six quarters. Uh so certainly there's a lot to like about the defense. And that was a unit that was going to have a lot more continuity, right? Because the Giro Evero came over from the the Rams, uh was their kind of passing game coordinator there. Uh he worked under Vic Fangio who who was the you know, the head coach and de facto defensive coordinator here for the last three seasons, um, had a lot of the same personnel, added some more uh talent in this defense, including um, you know, a couple of key pieces from your guys' neck of the woods and uh, DJ Jones and Kwan Williams. So there there's a lot of continuity there. So it doesn't it's it's less surprising that the, the defense um ha, has come out of the gates really strong. Now of course they've played two teams that will probably finish toward the bottom in in most kind of uh, offensive categories in Seattle and Houston. Um, But nonetheless, uh, that unit has looked sharp to start the year.
0: What was the reaction to from Broncos fans on how the head coach uh used the clock? I mean it was only like cut 2 days after week 1 and already uh you had the head coach apologizing for for the way the the way the game ended and how he utilized or didn't utilize his timeouts there. What was the talk in town? How how much of a hot seat is is the head coach on in a very short amount of time?
2: Yeah, you know, that, that was a, that was a situation that for, you know, um, that first game for it to be, you know, Russell Wilson going back to Seattle. Um, you know, here they are. They get the ball with, you know, four minutes to go at, at their own 20. They're, you know, they're starting to move it. Um, it very much looked like Russell Wilson's moment, right? But he was going to go in there. He was going to lead this last second drive like he had done in that building so many times, but this time for the other team. Um, and you know, when, when Nathaniel Hackett decided to kick a 64 yard field goal on fourth and five with, uh more than a minute left in the game, all of his timeouts, um, you know, the, the, the derision for that decision came quickly. And, uh, it, it was one of those things where, you know, when you're, when, like you said, when you are kind of making amends the very, the very next day or expressing regret for this you know, the, the situation, um, it's going to put you kind of in the crosshairs. And so the fact that that was followed up. Um, in week two with, with, with similar issues, not so much, you know, that exact thing, but, um, a lot of, a lot of plays that were coming in late. They, they got a delay of game on two separate fourth downs because they were taking too long to decide between whether they wanted to kick or go for it. And, you know, part of this is, is again, a guy who is, you know, 42 years old, has been in the league for a long time, but is, is a head coach for the first time. Uh, you know, we talked to Kyle Shanahan today. Um, you know reporters in Denver did and he said listen my first game there in 2017 as that coach I, I probably went for it about four times and kind of looking back at, at the game afterward realized I probably shouldn't have gone for most of those so um, part of it is just you know it comes with the course and and the, you know the media spotlight is a lot more intense now the fact that it was on the marquee game of the weekend um, didn't help him at all but he he certainly has has vowed to be better and he's he's going to have to be. They they're not going to be able to afford as their schedule gets tougher to make those kind of mistakes.
1: You know what's funny is uh, I I've seen a lot of people in our live stream for example yesterday in the chat, a lot of people saying, "Oh, come on. You know, I don't think they're going to I don't think the Broncos are going to lose cuz they're not going to go to 0 and 3." So obviously they're 1 and 1, but there is a kind of weird feeling like they even though they won the last game, like it was kind of more of the same of the Seattle game and it was it was almost like they won but you know, it didn't really leave a good feeling in your mouth. They were booing Russ, or allegedly. Um, and I, when I went to go look at the numbers, you know, there's two distinct or very distinct uh, stories that I, that I saw by the numbers, and I'd like to know if you agree. So, I mean, if you look at yards, you know, they're outgaining, you know, combined, they've outgained their two opponents by 300 yards, 200 passing, you know, 35 rushing. Um, that's all great. Time of possession, they're plus 12 minutes and 24 seconds. Those are all indicators that, you know, you should be kind of dominating these games. But then you look and you see that they've committed 25 penalties in two games for 206 yards. They're 11 of 27 on third down. You know, they're 0 for 6 in the red zone. They're minus 2 in turnovers. So is is the feeling kind of like... And then the defense has been great. So is the feeling kind of like... Um, this is this is a this really could be a great team. It's just once they just need to iron out those uh, you know, sort of, you know, first time head coach sort of mistakes and, you know, it'll be back on track, you know, come a couple more games into the season.
2: Well, the the thing that I said is, you know, if you look at it, they are the they are also in, in addition to all those correct stats that you mentioned, they're also the only team in the NFL besides the Bills right now. That are top ten uh, in both offensive and defensive efficiency, right? In uh in, in offensive and defensive EPA. So so the, they are behind, but what the way I describe it is beneath these mistakes. If you if you kind of dig down past those, there's a good team hiding in there. And, and I think the biggest one is the red zone because this is a team that has had five goal to go situations and they have not scored a touchdown on any of those. It's the first wow. two thousand. That at least 2000 that that has happened to a team. And when you, when you kind of start to break down each one of those individually, it's a, it's two different catches where just a sliver of a toe was on the white line. Um, you had two fumbles in the same game at the one yard line, which had also not happened in, in at least 20 years. Um, so, so you, some of this stuff is just kind of anomaly type stuff. And if, if you convert even a couple of these red zone opportunities, Um, you're not getting into these late game, you know, the late game things that have put such a crosshair on Nathaniel Hackett, right? They, you know, if they finish kind of the business in close that you're supposed to finish, um, then, then you're good. So I, I think that's sort of the way that they're looking at it. We talked to Russell Wilson today and that was, that was kind of his big thing is if we look at it. Individually, you say, hey, we, we have had all these all these chances. And the fact is, they are the fifth most explosive teams in terms of in terms of explosive play rate. So they are creating opportunities. They're getting into the red zone. It's just a matter of them and needing to finish. But until they show that they, you know, that they're going to, um I, I think some of that concern will, will still exist.
0: One of my favorite players in the draft when he came out was Jerry Judy, uh, the Alabama star wide receiver. And I know it's kind of been slow going for him. Now he's kind of dinged up. He had a go go pattern uh, against Seattle where it just looked like he blew right past the corner. uh, And it was like pitch and catch. What's uh, Judy's status for uh, for week three? And did he practice today?
2: No, he did not practice today. Um, and, and he's been kind of, um, you know, he was obviously listed as a DMT for practice, but the, the, you know, the word from Nathaniel Hackett is that he is day to day, um, with that rib injury that he suffered in the, uh, win over the Texans kind of fell on the ball, uh, as he, as he got a pass from Russell Wilson. So, uh, I think it's going to be a, a big time sort of just pain management thing with Judy. I, you know, I, I kind of got described to me that it might be iffy. Uh, for this, for this, this particular game, um, he and Pat Sertan, uh, who, you know, the star corner, that's another obviously big loss for the Broncos if he can't go. I think both of them are sort of in that same boat where it's, it's going to be that kind of proverbial game time decision, uh, to see whether those guys are going to go.
1: You know, oh, oh know, right. Ryan. this isn't a, you know, I know that you're no, not a gambling expert or anything like that, but, you know, I like to look at the gambling stuff just in terms of expectation, you know, Both the Broncos and the 49ers were both expected to win 10 games this year, you know, and they're both playing each other. You know, the Niners are playing the AFC West. The um, Broncos are playing the NFC West. Um, This this line I saw on Twitter today that apparently this line over the summer was Broncos by three. It is now f- 49ers by one and a half, which honestly, looking back at the stats and all the flukiness you're talking about, kind of seems crazy to me. Um, it, in your opinion, you know, I'm not asking you for gambling advice necessarily, but do, do you feel like that's kind of uh, an, an overreaction?
2: Well, I, I think p- part of that correction, is, you know, if, if I'm not mistaken, probably has as much to do with maybe what's going on um, with Denver, but also, uh, you know, the installation of Jimmy Garoppolo as, as the 49ers starting quarterback. Um, you know, I, obviously I think the, the expectation in San Francisco is that, um, he's also, Trey Lance is ultimately going to kind of be that guy, uh, for the future that, that raises the ceiling. But, but I think most would agree that probably for right in this moment right now, they're probably a little more solid with Jimmy Garoppolo under center. So I think part of it, um, comes there. Um, but then, yeah, I think, I think there's a little bit of a wait and see thing with, with these Broncos, right? I mean, you expected them after that Seattle game, which they really did dominate that game. Um, you know, the, the, the Seahawks had two sort of touchdowns that came on, on broken plays. Um, and after that, the Broncos just gave them absolutely nothing. Um, and, you know, and again, like you said that the Broncos outgained them in that, in that game by about 180 yards. Um, it, it was just a situation where you, you thought they were going to come back against Houston and just sort of blow, blow the doors off, but they kind of kept running into some of those same mistakes, some of those self-inflicted wounds. And so I, I think there's probably from, you know, from the Vegas perspective, a little bit of a wait and see of like how damaging is this is this sort of newness for them? All these, like this learning curve, how steep is it going to be? When is it going to finally smooth out? And so until they kind of can show some evidence of that, I think, I think they're getting kind of dinged for it in that, in that regard, it, but it's just hard to predict when they are going to kind of snap out of some of that stuff.
0: Nick, what is the strength of the uh, the Denver offensive line? I know Bowles was a one. Uh, where Risner and Cushenberry were day two picks. The, there's veterans on the on the right side. Who, who's considered the strength of that line? Who's their best alignment?
2: Well, you, you, you mentioned Bowles. He was an All Pro two years ago. Was kind of played at at, at a similar level um last year and has and is off to a real good start this year. I think he and the fact that that Dalton Reisner is entering his fourth year at left guard playing alongside bowls, those two have a really strong chemistry. Um, you know, teammates have really um praised the way that Lloyd Cushenberry, though he did have two holding calls in the win over Houston overall, has been a lot better than he was his first two years after coming into the draft as a as a third round pick out of LSU. Um so I, I think that that left side certainly uh, but they, they've gotten the Lions played well. Um, you know, they, they, in terms of pressure rate and things like that have been, have been, have, have done a good job in terms of, um, you know, yards per carry for running backs before contact, which is typically a pretty good measure of offensive line performance. Um, you know, they've been kind of toward the, toward the top 10 in the league, uh, with that through, through two weeks. Um, and so when you add that to a, to a running back in Javante Williams, who is, um, you know, uh, gets gets uh, as much yards after carry as just about anybody else in the league. It, it's why they've they've done a pretty good job on the ground. Not not uh, not 49ers good uh, in terms of the first two weeks of the season, Um but that I think is a strength for them. And, and honestly, they need to lean into that a, a little bit further. I think they're 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 doing a lot of trying to kind of figure out everything in the playbook that works. Trying to figure out what Russell Wilson does in this offense. But but I think they really need to be committed to. That ground game, because Javante Williams with the ball in his hand is is just about the best thing that they've got going right now besides maybe uh, Cortland Sutton.
1: Uh, As far as the defensive line goes, uh, I mean, you know, uh, us in Niner Town, we all, you know, we all love D.J. Jones. D.J. Jones, you know, he was unstoppable in that Cowboys playoff game for the Niners, and it's just his issues kind of staying healthy, you know. And uh, I, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on the Denver defensive line so far. I know Chubb and Gregory have been them, you know, their normal star selves. Um, but as far as the, the DJ Jones and then the other, what was it, Dramont Jones? Is that how you pronounce Dramat it? Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Former uh, Buckeye. Yeah. Well, what do you? How are you feeling <laughs> about the uh, interior D line and just the D line in general?
2: Yeah. Well, the, the defensive line in this three-four scheme, kind of going into the year, um, you know, you kind of look at it and say. You know, where's the depth? Because obviously DJ Jones was a huge addition for them. Um, Draymond Jones is, is probably going to be a Pro Bowl type caliber player this year. Had two sacks in the win over Houston has just been, was dominant throughout the offseason, throughout training camp. Um, he, he's a guy that was, I think came on strong last year and is, is really going to take a leap this year. And then you add DJ Jones who uh, you mentioned to start, sort of his playoff, Run his, his experience uh, in that regard was something they really wanted because one thing that the Broncos, though they were good defensively under Vic Fangio, one thing they really struggled with, um, you know, last year they were kind of on the fringe of the playoff race for a good chunk of the season. They lost a lot of games late because they, you know, they could not stop teams on the ground in the fourth quarter. So, you know, they, they looked at DJ Jones as a real, um, you know, a real addition to that and, and they've been, they've been really, um, cognizant of kind of, um, you know, sort of measuring his, um, you know, his, his, uh, his practice time and things like that, even his snap count. Um, you know, they've really had, I think, an eye on like late season, late game type of play from him. Um, he's played, he's played really well, but, uh, again, hasn't missed really much time due to injury in camp. But I, I do think they're being a little bit safe with him because they have a guy like Mike Purcell behind him, um, who has played a lot of football, a lot of good football as well. So I think the defensive line to this point has actually been, um, you know, it, it's been a good surprise for the Broncos. they played really well. Um, of, of course, there's no test uh, in, for a defensive line like the one they'll face on Sunday night against the Niners in
0: their rushing attack. Yeah, D.J. Jones, good guy, tremendous, tremendous person. But, man, what a what a force, what an anchor uh, he is against the run. One of the things that jumps off the page when I'm just looking at the profile, the statistical profile of Denver through the first two weeks, uh, Nick, is they forced five fumbles. Now, they've only jumped on one of them. But forcing five fumbles in two games des- definitely will make you kind of lean up and take notice. Was that a point of emphasis going into the camp?
2: Yeah, it absolutely has been for them, you know, that they have, they have the, uh, you know, a sign in their, in their team meeting room that says the team, the West and the ball, you know, the team being, you, you know, we protect each other and, you know, you, you do it for the guy beside you. That's the team aspect. The West, they want to, they want to go win the AFC West. It, it's been a division dominated by the Chiefs in recent seasons. They, they want to get in that mix and then the ball that from the, from the time Nathaniel Hackett was hired. Um, that was something that they have stressed consistently and Denver's defense, um, as good as it's been from a scoring perspective has had real trouble over the last couple of years forcing turnovers. It's a big reason why they brought in Gregory. He, he's one of the best in the league in terms of, you know, he's got these long, just long arms that seem to go forever. Um, he's already forced two fumbles in two games. Um, you know, Draymond Jones, who I spoke about, um, you know, he got a strip sack of Davis Mills, um, you know, Ronald Darby, the corner chasing a guy down the field. Um, you can see it's very easy to see how they're making that uh, a point of emphasis. As you as you mentioned, their fumble luck hasn't been great because they forced five, have only recovered one of those, and they also uh, lost both of their own fumbles. So <laughs> they're they're one for seven in recovering five balls that have been on the ground. But uh, again, we as we all know, those that's very much a kind of random luck type thing in terms of whether you actually recover them. But if you're forcing them, you're going to give yourself a chance.
1: How's the vibe uh, been just being there covering the team? Uh, Are there any, you know, is there any uh, sort of consistent point that keeps coming up in terms of uh, matchups that people are talking about? You know, obviously the 49ers have a great D line. Honestly, their whole defense is kind of loaded this year, so it's hard to really pick on anyone. But is is there any, you know, thing in particular, any matchup you're looking for? Devonte Williams versus well, I, I the defense or, yeah
2: um, I don't necessarily think that it's 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 necessarily one I, I think people are very eager to see how you know Denver stacks up against a you know a very you know again a very talented team with a lot of star players on both sides of the ball right uh, this is this is a team they played the Seahawks um, and they've played the Houston Texans and, and again both both of those rosters, don't have the level of talent that the Broncos are going to see in their own division and don't have the level of talent that they're going to see Sunday night. So I, I think it's, I think it's everywhere. The Broncos haven't had to face a true pass rush um, to this point. Uh, neither the Seahawks nor the Texans brought, brought a whole lot of pressure. Um Obviously they're in for a much bigger task with the 49ers. And then I, I really am uh, very um, interested in seeing what they do against, against San Francisco's ground game, because, you know again this is this is sort of a scheme and it was funny Kyle Shanahan mentioned this today you know he was asked whether he was flattered by all the all the sort of copycats all the all the different teams in the league that have adopted you know kind of the system that you know that he has implemented and his dad implemented before him um and you know he goes like well it's, you, know, you can look at it as flattering he's like but i I kind of don't like it now because all these other teams um you know practice against it every day because their own offenses are running it so this does the, the, the Broncos certainly have uh, kind of that experience with it by by training against it in, in practice and in camp, but also because again, three members of the defense that you're going to see starting on Sunday night and DJ Jones, Kwan Williams, and and Jonas Griffith, the linebacker who who was a, a kind of an off-season member of the 49ers for a couple of years, um, you know they're pretty familiar with it as well. So I'm just very eager to see the Denver defense versus the 49ers run game and, and kind of who gets the best of that.
0: We're talking Niners-Broncos in advance of the national TV tilt in Week 3 in Denver with Nick Kosmider, who covers the Broncos for the Athletic. Uh, Nick, you know, we talked a little bit already. You kind of hit on Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Just looking at their numbers, I mean, two games in, they both have 22 rushes. The numbers are very similar. 4-8 a carry for Gordon, 5-4 a carry for Williams. Loved Williams at North Carolina. But then when I'm looking at um, the receiving total, Javante Williams has been targeted uh, 16 times, 16 times in two games. That's a lot of targets out of the backfield. Uh, by comparison, Gordon's only been targeted three times. I kind of think of Gordon as, as more of the receiver. Um, how is the, how is uh, Hackett using the his two backs? Is there anything through two games that you can point to that are kind of common denominators that kind of show you how the usage has been for the two backs?
2: Yeah, it, you know, it's funny so so 12 of those targets and 11 of those receptions uh came in the week one opener and it was it was pretty stunning because you know Javante Williams is a guy that was used somewhat sparingly in the passing game as a rookie. I think he ended up um you know with, with something like with, with something like 40 catches um but but was sort of, you know, a little bit of an afterthought in that regard. Um but but in that week one opener, they ran um they ran five different screens with, with him on the field which was um, about half the, the, half the total that they had run all of, all of his rookie year with him on the field. So it was a pretty, it was a pretty sudden development. I think it was a lot of a game plan oriented. They, they saw something, um, in, in terms of how they thought, um, you know, the, the Seahawks would try to kind of sell out, uh, in, in the pass rush, even though they still weren't really able to create one, but they, they got a lot of opportunities to hit that screen game, um, for big yardage. So th- that was, I think, kind of a matchup specific thing. Um, you know, you're still going to see some of that, but, but I also think that again, the, the Broncos just really need to kind of be a little bit more committed to, to the actual run game. Um, the, both those guys will get their chances in the past game, but the fact that they have split carries, you, you mentioned they're both at 22. They, they both finished 2021 with 203 carries apiece. Um, that's hard to do <laughs> to have both of your running backs, even if you have a split system, end up with the exact same amount of carries. So I think fans are getting kicked out of the fact that. Here we are two weeks into this season, you know, it, it's now across, uh, you know, 19 games and they're at the exact same total. So you're going to see them both. You're going to see them both used in the passing game. The, the reasons the Broncos wanted to bring Melvin Gordon back, because they just view he and Javante Williams as interchangeable. They're, they're both good blockers. Um, you know, again, as we mentioned, they can both catch the ball out of the backfield and they're both kind of physical runners. Uh, Javante Williams calls them thunder and thunder. Um, you know, not so much the thunder and lightning thing. They're very similar players. And, and that makes them pretty interchangeable in terms of how they get used in the offense.
1: Uh, you know, I know you kind of just answered that, this question, but um, are you expecting perhaps some more of those dump offs versus the 49ers? Cause honestly, it, it seems like something they struggle with a little bit, especially with these mobile quarterbacks that can kind of, Break contain and then just, you know, it's, it's a one way to stifle the pass rush is you, you just dump it off to, to the running back and it's, it's super frustrating. Um, and it's, but especially with Jerry, you know, seemingly doubtful at this point, uh, you know, should, are we in store for some more of those dump offs or do you think they're going to get more focused on just, you know, running, running? So, the ball? I,
2: I, I think they will. I think you will see some of that. I, I think they're going to try to use them in different ways. I wouldn't be surprised that they use, you know, Montreal Washington is this, uh, you know, he's, he's their punt returner, uh, rookie fifth round pick, um, out of Sanford, you know, an FCS school. He, he was kind of a surprise in training camp. has uh, got, he's got some juice in the punt return game, but they've also kind of lined him up in the backfield sometimes. He, he had a, he had a really big run on a, on a reverse on Sunday. Um, they got, they got called, most of it got called back because of a, of a, of a down the field hold. Um, but, but he's got, he's got some sort of, uh, you know, kind of an electric energy about him as a ball carrier. So you're going to see those sorts of things. Um, you know, there, there was, I think about three or four different, you know, plays that you would label as trick plays against the Texans. Um, and, and a lot of that is, is to kind of try to keep the, the defense on it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see some of that misdirection that comes back, um, to a screen. It's, it's all about how they read where the pressure's coming from and, so that's one thing the Broncos have done well through these first two weeks. They've really been able to kind of go at the pressure, um, you know, uh, get get the offense, or you know, get get playmakers into spots vacated by the rush, um, and, and create short dump off passes from there that turn into big gains.
0: A couple more questions for Nick Cosmider from The uh, Athletic, who covers the Broncos, uh, as we get you ready for Niners, Broncos, and Week 3 from Denver National TV. It should be good. Um, if there is no Jerry Judy, two of the weapons I want to ask you about. One guy's K.J. Hamler. I know he's hurt, but, man, I loved Hamler at Penn State, and and I really thought he was coming on last year. What's his injury? And the other guy i got to ask you about is the Missouri tight end. I think this is one of the sleeper tight ends in football. Al, I'll just call him Albert O because I won't try to butcher, you know, to not butcher that name. Uh, but he is an athletic tight end. He wears 85 for 49er fans if, looking to check out Albert O. I just think uh, there's a ton of talent there with the Missouri tight end. And I think, K, you know, KJ is definitely a could be a starting caliber receiver. What's what's Hamler's injury and, and how's Albert O looked? Yeah,
2: so, so KJ Hamler, um, in game three last year, so his second season, um, he suffered a, an ACL and, and broke his hip on the same play. It was a really pretty devastating injury. Um, it cost him obviously the season. Uh, he, he was working back through that throughout the offseason and into training camp and was able to get back on the field for, for their, you know, preseason finale. He played a few snaps there and then was also on the field in week one. Um, against the Seahawks and something of, of a limited role. He's a big speed guy that can take, you know, take the top off the defense. Uh, but he's also a really solid route runner. Um, uh, you know, just kind of does, the, the, does the little things right. He did not play in week two. It's part of this kind of load management type system to, to, to borrow a term from my years covering the NBA in that they are, you know, they're kind of really trying to look at sort of the end of the season and wanting him to be able to play as many games as possible. So. He sat out week two. He was limited in practice today. I think he'll have a chance to go on Sunday. And with Albert Okwebonam, he's a guy that obviously stepped into a, uh, a bigger role because Noah Fant, their <laughs> first-round draft pick from a few years ago, was involved in the Russell Wilson trade. He got sent to Seattle, and that sort of opened up this opportunity uh, for Albert. And and he's a guy that has a lot of talent. He's very fast and create a lot of mismatches. You can line him up just about anywhere. Um, his thing is just consistency. You know, he he had a drop. Um, on a wide open kind of um you know short out route uh, on a third down early in the game that, that kind of caught them could have picked up a first down or at very least put them in a manageable fourth down or even uh, or even field goal range and so um again he's got to show them he's got to show russell wilson um, that he can kind of be that trusted target because he He's, he's flashed out potential at times. It's a matter of putting it all together because he's, he's certainly capable. Again, you you get him on a linebacker, you're going to have problems. Um, you know, you, you try to defend him with a safety or a corner. He's, he's just got great size, but so he's a guy that they, that they really think highly of, but he's just got to kind of show that, that consistency that he can do it on a week to week basis.
1: Following up on that question. Uh, do you have any inclination of, of who Russ seems to be trusting in the, as far as his weapons goes? Um, you know, seeing him in Seattle for so many years, I mean, geez, he, him in, with DK and Lockett, it seemed like, you know, he could be not looking falling down and like he trusted those guys so much he would just hum it up in the air and it would somehow drop right in the breadbasket. Is there anybody that he seems to have increasing, you know, chemistry with doesn't have to be, you know, always like Sutton or Judy, but um, any anybody to watch out for?
2: Well, it, I'll start with Sutton uh, because it, it is him. He He has he has. Crystallized himself as the clear number one target for Russell Wilson. Um, you know, already, already with uh, 194 yards receiving through two games, I think that puts him eighth in the NFL in terms of total receiving yards, uh, had seven catches for 122 yards and was just, a you know, bail, bailed them out uh, on a number of occasions. They had a third and 16, uh, on a scoring drive in the fourth quarter where he catches a 35 yard pass because he, you know, Russell Wilson looked off the safety and, and, and they sort of had this kind of, Understanding of where, where Cortland was going to cut to the out, outside and, and find himself in kind of a in, a, in a zone there that, that Russell Wilson could deliver him the ball. Those two have built, um, you know, a really good chemistry. I, I think early in camp, Russell Wilson sort of, um, learned pretty quickly that he could throw the ball just about anywhere. He talked about that again today. He said the catch readiest for Cortland Sutton just kind of blows him away sometimes of where he can go get the ball. Um, and from, from kind of more of a sleeper type perspective, uh, and I kind of saw this in training camp and, and predicted this a little bit going into the year, but Eric Sauber, he, he would be kind of listed as the number two tight end, but really for, for all practical purposes right now, he, he's the tight end that Russell Wilson trusts the most. He already has two red zone targets this year, um, including, well, I, I, I take that back. His, his touchdown was the 20 from the 22 yard line. So it wasn't a red zone target, but, uh, two end zone targets, uh, if you will, he, he went up and, and just made a great catch on a seam route uh for Denver's only touchdown of the game uh against the Texans. Uh and, and also had a had a pass in the end zone in week one against the Seahawks that um, you know, he he was kind of kicking himself over. It was a sliding catch, but probably should have been one that he made. Would have been a sixteen yard touchdown and again probably would have won the game for the Broncos. So he's another guy to look at. Big physical tight end. Use him a ton in the run game, um, but he's a guy that I think Wilson trusts um, you know, in a lot of different situations.
0: Last one I have for you, Nick. Um, give me thoughts on two guys. One, I loved uh, Greg Dulcich, who played at uh, UCLA. I thought he was a terrific tight end in the draft. I know he's on the IR. W- what happened to Dulcich? What did you think of him this summer before he went down? And how's K-1 looking? I mean, I know he's the nickelback. 49ers felt like they needed a better pass coverage player at that spot. But, man, K-1 is a tremendous two-way player uh, against the run, against the pass. He's tremendously courageous despite not having the – the biggest size out there. Give me your thoughts on those two guys.
2: Yeah. Well, Greg Dolcich. unfortunately we just have not gotten much of a look at him. He he suffered that hamstring injury uh, shortly after the draft and it just really kind of limited him. It kind of kept nagging at him every time they thought that he was going to be able to get close to, you know, doing teamwork or something like that. There would be a little bit of a setback. And so that's why they decided to put him on IR. They just want to get him fully healthy, fully removed from that hamstring injury so that, um, you know, come week five, they can get him off that IR and he'll be he'll be ready to go. But at this point, it'll be it'll be you know kind of a slow, steady climb back, right? I mean, he didn't really get to be you know he's been in meetings, but hasn't really gotten to do any of the offensive install on the field. So I think when he does get back, you know, kind of near that mid-season mark or quarter pole mark, they're going to use him somewhat sparingly. But but again, they do they do love the talent there. Another guy that creates creates the mismatches. Um, I've been impressed with, with Kwan Williams. Just again, you guys saw it a lot uh, in San Francisco, but just the, the physicality that he brings, he finishes plays. Um, you know, you, you never see him kind of try to push a guy out of bounds. It's always, um, you know, being really physical and finishing. And then that's kind of, that's kind of what they want to be. They, they've, they they've developed that I think a little bit more over the last couple of years. Um, you know, they, they brought Randy Gregory in for the same reason, you know, a guy that has a little bit of nasty to him. Um, that, that's what they are. They are trying to develop. Um, on the defensive side of the football and he's fit in real
1: well for that last one for me uh you know in any update on uh, Sertan, or is it just kind of a toss-up i know you know i saw he was day-to-day and uh following and you know building on that you know ronald darby ain't so he ain't half bad either uh have have you been heard anything from the corners uh, are they excited to sort of have this matchup against debo samuel iuk and the 49ers weapons i mean uh Debo yeah, is a weird be, one for sure yeah
2: <laughs> it'll be the, it'll be the you know obviously the best group that they've that they faced to this the, to this point or at least the you know the kind of the, the group that's most familiar with their own quarterback um so I, I do think there's some excitement there for them to get that done Sertan again is a day-to-day um didn't practice today so he's a guy that they're just going to kind of be in wait and see mode on if he doesn't go um, you know, you'll see probably Damari Mathis, the rookie out of Pittsburgh, who, who played pretty well in relief, um, for the, for the Broncos against the Texans on Sunday. Um, but, but yeah, opposite of that, Ronald Darby, the veteran, um, you know, guy that's been on a Super Bowl winning team in Philadelphia. He's been real solid to start the year. So they, they feel like they like the depth, but obviously, you know, Patrick Tan is by far their best, their best, uh, you know, cornerback. So they're, they're hopeful. That they can get him back soon. Obviously, without Justin Simmons already, the All-Pro safety on IR won't won't play on Sunday. Um, you know they're they're keeping their fingers crossed that Tan will be ready to go. All
0: right, order the Athletic. You can check out Nick Cosmider and all of his writings on the uh, Denver Broncos. Nick, you got anything big planned between now and uh, Sunday night that people, people should check you out? And also tell people where they can find you on Twitter.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, it's at Nick Cosmider. Um, and, and I, I think for, for this weekend, certainly I'm, you know, kind of trace doing a piece on, um on Jonas Griffith, you know, he's a fascinating guy ha- had those two years kind of, uh, you know, played for the 49ers in their offseason program was a member of the practice squad, um, you know, kind of, kind of came over to Denver in an afterthought trade um, and just worked his way into where now he's, he's a starting linebacker. He's, he's an integral part of their defense and just a fascinating guy he played one year of high school football. Um, you know, he, he's a, he plays the piano. He's, he's like a chess master. He's just a really interesting guy, um, that has, that has kind of fit in real well, um, with Denver. And then another thing I'll have this weekend is, is, you know, again, just kind of tracing some of Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, Colorado roots. This is a guy who went to high school here. He, he said, he said today his best moment of his, um, you know, one of the best moments of his life was that, that Broncos Super Bowl win in, in 97 or early 98, um, when they broke through with his dad and John Elway. So, um it I, it means a lot for him to, to kinda of come back here, even though he's done it before with his first time as a head coach. So um the Colorado connections with him are run pretty deep.
1: He looks yeah. like a Colorado guy,
0: honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and Griffith, I didn't know that story about Griffith. I knew that that was a, a, an astute pickup by Denver. He guess got caught in a numbers game at a linebacking spot that was just stacked here in San Francisco. And he's big, he's strong, he's fast, he's he's willing, and uh, sounds somewhat like a renaissance man. So I can't, I'm eager to read your piece. Hey, Nick, thanks for stopping by, giving us a preview. And uh, it's the first time we've caught up with you, but we really enjoy uh, reading your stuff uh, today in advance of this interview. And good luck to you and the Broncos the rest of the way really appreciate it thanks for having me thanks, thanks so much Nick Kosmider from uh from Denver stopping by him uh, on as we talk a little 49ers and Broncos Sunday night national tv all right here's our conversation with Niners free safety Tashawn Gibson we're here in the Niner locker room with Niners safety Tashawn Gibson and uh um one of the more productive interceptors in the league is you. What's the key to picking off passes in the NFL? Is it as simple as one thing? It's
3: it's, it's just about being in the right place, right time. Honestly, uh, you know, I credit you know great players around me, man. Obviously, Huff um he told me that he didn't feel like catching it he didn't want to be a ball hog so he said he'd show me some love but no obviously man it's just about running to the ball man and just being in the right place right time obviously and uh you know i've made my bones doing that man and sometimes you got to make those hard interceptions but sometimes you got to catch the ones that's given to you and that was one that was given to
0: me man and got to take advantage of those where does that skill come from though cuz some guys have it some guys don't I mean you look at the back of the football card I think that's 28 career picks for you so who who you know where did you learn that trait how did you develop that skill
3: just always being ball aware. Growing up, man, I never played defense. I always had the ball in my hand. I played quarterback, man, majority of my life uh, up until I got to college. So, for the most part, man, just being ball aware, man. And, uh, you know, the motto, man, when I was a young guy, man, my high school coach used to always say, man, all balls is our ball. And, uh, you know, it's just a motto that has stuck with me, man. So, if it's a 50-50 ball or if it's a ball around, hey, man, we need to come down with those. And he stressed that and he preached that. And, you know, that's just kind of the motto that I stuck with, for, for you know, throughout the duration of high school, college, college and it led into the NFL. But most important, man, it's just God just uh, giving me the ability, man, putting me in situations to be able to thrive. And fortunately, I had another opportunity Sunday to put it on display, came down with it. Yeah, you're humble, man. Let's talk about Fonga. Uh What do you think? I mean, he sh- he's showing incredible instincts against the run. Oh, man, he's playing, in my opinion, like the best, like the best safety in the National Football League right now. Through two weeks, I don't think that you'll find a more productive safety that's playing like Huff right now, man. And it's just a beautiful thing to watch him back here, man. You know, obviously, I've been here a short time, man, but his skill set, man, is just perfect for this defense. I hope he keep going, man, and, you know, get all of the accolades and the notoriety he deserves, man, because he's balling right
0: now. Yeah, how, what is it, though? I mean, what is it... Is a film study is it knowledge is it because he's playing fast and he's anticipating things and it's just like he's not hesitating and it's, he's
3: just going His like a right over there man I wish I was in his head <laughs> to tell you what's going on man but you know he just inst- he just instinctive he's just a playmaker man and obviously he having a full season under his belt he now is comfortable like I said I wasn't here last year so I couldn't say what he looked like last year to the progressing, but what I see now, man, is just a, a, a true ball player, just a ball, a football player, man, that's fine. And so uh, you put him anywhere on the field, man, he can make plays. So right now, man, he's, he, he's starting to be more and more comfortable. Obviously, each game, man, you're starting to see more and more explosive plays from him. And it's just a beautiful thing to watch, man. He's so young, man. He's still in 22. Uh, so he, he, he got so much ahead of him, man. It's just about keeping him grounded, man,
0: and letting him achieve the things he planned on achieving. You're a vet. You've seen a lot of different secondaries. This secondary looks like it's got potential to be really good. What do you think of it so far? You just walked in the door. I mean,
3: this is this is obviously, the defense in its, in its entirety is, is 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 full of dogs, man. But, you know, obviously, uh, the secondary, man, is, is, is have a bunch of good players who don't get that notoriety, man. I think that, that E-Man is, you know, he's technician, man. He's one of the smarter football players that I've been around. Um, you have Huff, man, who's just young, vibrant, have that energy, man. You got Mooney, man, over there who's just, he's going to do his job, man, and who, Mooney going to make plays. So when you have just a bunch of guys that's on one accord doing what they need to do. The plays gonna come, and obviously it's been showing. Man, it's been fun to be out there playing with those guys. Man, I'm blessed for this opportunity.
1: How's your really? relationship with uh, Jimmy Ward right now? I know he's not playing, but man, right. we talked to him uh, last week. And he was like, "My safeties aren't gonna get." Uh, he he yeah. he's like, "Man, he's, he's pride, man."
3: Jimmy is my guy, man. Like you know, I've been knowing Jimmy for quite some time, man. So you know, me and Jimmy done bounce ideas off each other even when I was playing in Chicago. So you know, we got the same agent. So obviously, man, I, I've been knowing Jimmy for a minute, man. Good dude, man. Man, obviously, one of the best safeties in the league. So you know, even now he'd be at, at practice on the sideline in games, and we just pitching stuff off of each other. And he humble, man. He he he's not just a guy who felt like he know everything. Man, he he bounced questions off of me as well. So that's a beautiful part about having a guy like Jimmy, man. And obviously, we know what he could do when he on the field and he healthy. So uh,
0: you know, it's just it's just fun, man, being here in this defense for sure. A Couple last ones for you. Film study. What does Denver look like on film? They got the big tight end Alberto. He's fast. Uh, Judy's kind of dinged up you got Cortland Sutton what's their receiving core look like to you
3: uh, you know, obviously, they got playmakers, and they got Russell Wilson at quarterback, man. He's at the helm, so that's always. Anytime you got the quarterback, that's 90% of the, uh, the battle right there. Uh, he's a top tier quarterback. Obviously, he's still in his prime. And, you know, they got skilled sk- uh, skill guys on the outside who can just make plays. Honestly, I like that running back, man. I think that the offense, uh, I really like his game. He's he's a good football player, old school football player, man. I respect those type of guys. But the skill sets on the outside, man, they got good guys who can make plays. 14, he's definitely a playmaker. America man and obviously you see he went for over 100 yards so uh, we're gonna have our hands full but obviously man I'm confident in the guys that we
0: have on the back end to be able to go out there and execute the job. Yeah, last one I got for you. National TV. Is that does that. Is that just a fan thing? Is that a media thing, or do you guys do you care if it's national TV, or is that like now doesn't matter? Say another game. Every game at
3: noon, if you ask me. Uh, I don't play enough football now, man. Where I would rather just wake up, man, get rolling, man. So obviously, it's it's. You have guys who live for those type of things, and it's always fun playing on national TV, primetime games. That's what we live for, man. As kids, we grew up watching game, primetime games. So obviously, guys like those, man. But me, myself man i'd rather play at one o'clock let's get the thing rolling man let's go so um but it'll be an awesome opportunity for us man and this team man, on the big stage man show what we got hey, good luck on sunday i appreciate it so Sean gibson
4: yeah
0: thanks so, Sean. all right the story of week two may have been aaron banks and here is our conversation with the niners left guard we're in the Niners locker room with niners guard aaron banks and how'd you feel it seems like you had a phenomenal game looking back at the film
5: uh yeah i mean i think it was better than week one but still a lot of work to do you know still a lot of stuff to improve on um so you know going to this week trying to be better than i was last week
0: how much better are you as a player than when you came out of notre dame year one a year ago how how much improvement in what areas do you think you've improved the most in Uh, i think i've improved
5: all around um you know coming out i mean i wasn't good enough to get on the field last year, so um, just tried to improve everything and come back better this year. And you know, with the help of the guys in this in our online room and CFO and our coaching staff, you know, it's um, you know still a lot of work to do, but definitely an improvement from college.
0: You know, you put, Notre Dame plays a big time schedule, so what would what would you say is the big difference between D linemen that you face in college compared to what you're seeing right now in the league? I mean, everybody that's starting on a
5: um, NFL roster, D linemen was that guy at their school you know college you play teams and they might have one guy but everybody else might not be as good um so I mean I think that's the biggest difference guys
0: are dudes at this
5: level so yeah
0: seems like your mobility is pretty good. There was one play where I saw you kind of blew your guy out of the hole. It was a run play, I think, for Ty Davis-Price. Then you got down the field and threw another block. You probably had to run about 10 yards. How much has your speed improved since when you entered the league?
5: Uh, it's improved a lot. You know, That's a testament to um, Dustin um, Perry and Jordan Major and the nutrition and strength staff of you know helping improve my strength and agility and speed off the ball.
0: You know left side, right side. I mean you played the left side at Notre Dame, now you're playing the left side. Do you just feel more comfortable on the left side? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean i played it for
5: however many years at Notre Dame, so definitely a little more comfortable on the left side. What's it like having Trent
0: Williams right next to you? I mean, you know you've got the best in the biz. You had one play where Trent you you dropped into pass pro, your guy dropped into coverage, he's going one on one and you just leveled his guy, the defensive end. Do you remember that play? Uh yeah. I mean it's just
5: fine and work. You know, if you put a hit on somebody, you know, it might make them tired for the next play and it might give us an advantage later on in the game, so yeah. Do you take it, do you and, and uh, Jake
0: and Spencer take it personally when people talk over and over and over again, hey, well, you know, if the interior of our O-line's solid, we're strong. I mean, it's almost like they're pointing the finger at you guys. Does it add more pressure or more resolve to you to say, you know what, screw that, I'm getting it
5: done, we're getting it done? No, nah, we don't give a damn what the media says. We don't <laughs> care about what people in this building think about us. I think it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I to, <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> no offense, but, like, know. yeah, right. like, again, oh, yeah. no offense, but, like, what matters is the people. In this building and the people in our room, that you know what they think of us. So, is it hard to block that stuff out, or is it easy to block it out for you? That's yeah, easy to block it out, man. I got scrutiny when I was in college, I got scrutiny in high school, I got scrutiny last year, all year. So, it doesn't even matter. You know, people, some people will bring it to, to me, and I'm like, bro, I don't. I don't care, I
1: don't wanna see it. It doesn't matter to me. How how's your relationship with uh with Burford? It just seems cool, it's like two young guys starting interior linemen, yeah. getting it done. No,
5: yeah, I have a great relationship with Burford, you know, we talk a lot. Um, you know, we'll. Kind of put put pick things and communicate on certain looks. Hey, this is what I'm thinking on this. What are you thinking? And go back and forth because um, you know we we both don't have a ton of reps at this level. So seeing what each other are doing and like making tweaks from there on, and you know asking all the older guys too, like Brando and
0: Mike and Trent and those guys. So does it make it. Uh easier on you or more difficult the fact that you're a local guy and that you got family here in the bay and does that mean your phone's ringing and they're watching every game every snap or does does it make it easier because you got a support system how's how's it working for you
5: Uh, it's a little bit of both but you know it's nice to have a a support system here and you know get to be back home hey thanks for the time good luck on sunday
1: appreciate it thanks sir
0: Danny Gray only played three snaps in the game against Seattle. But, man, this guy has just been um, – he's a revelation as far as what he means to this team. And I expect him to make huge plays for the 49ers for years to come. And here's our conversation with the Niners' speedster. All right, we're here in the Niners locker room with Niners receiver Danny Gray. And, Danny, so far a couple weeks into the NFL season, how are you feeling about uh, this team? How are you feeling about the league so far? The
6: experience. Uh, I feel pretty great. Uh, once again, I'm with a great group of guys. I love my team. I love this. I love the atmosphere every day. I love the work that everybody brings in every day and. It's just it's just fun being here. I love the guys, man. Everybody know how to turn it in, turn it on as soon as they walk through those doors. So uh,
0: it's just a great team. Great to be here and great to learn from a great group of guys. Let's talk about some of the guys in your position. Give me your thoughts on Debo. I mean, he's incredibly physical.
6: Yeah, incredibly physical. Uh, great guy. Uh, I always come to work and will not let you out work him. So uh, it's good to have those guys around you who are always going to push you and motivate you and just wants to see the best, just want to see you
0: perform your best every day on the field. Give me your thought on Ayuk. Is Ayuk is is a, making plays left and right. He was incredible this summer. Yeah,
6: he's a very chill laid-back guy. Doesn't care who's in front of him on the uh, defensive side. Just goes out there and put in work. That's it. Uh, he's just a guy who's when he touches the field, he just try to be unstoppable.
1: What's the most underrated part of your game? I know, like obviously, people like to pinpoint you as just a you know speedster. But I mean, watching the tape at SMU, I mean, hey, you you're a little bit more than that. Uh, yeah,
6: uh, a lot of people really don't know that. I could really take a slant 80 yards Catch a little under route, take it to the crib So uh, a lot of people just think that I'm a speedster Damn deep guy, deep ball threat uh, Which I am a deep ball threat That do do come in at times But uh, I really, I do it all Uh, Catch the under routes, catch the stop routes And it's just fun Exciting to see what I do with it next
0: Yeah, you've made a lot of big plays. And Kyle describes you, he says, "Yeah, he's not just a speedster, he's tough. Where does that toughness come from? How long have you been playing football?
6: Uh, I've been playing football all my life, uh, ever since I was five years old. Soccer was actually my first sport. I played that for like two months. And then football, I just... Shout
1: out out to the UK. Yeah, (laughs) I just
6: fell in love with uh, football. But uh, the toughness, uh, I would say... The toughness really comes from my mom. Uh, she's a hardworking woman, a woman who puts in a lot of work, always just love to grind. i uh, seen her, seen that woman work 16-hour shift, 22-hour shifts, never complain, come home, get two, three hours of sleep, and right back to work. Never complain, never cried, never did nothing once, just got up and she just knew what she had to do to support her family. And that's where my toughness come in at
0: very cool very cool what do you think of our bay area weather i know you're a, you're a texas guy went to smu yeah how, What do you how do you feel about this these the cooler climate here in the bay
6: oh i love the bay area weather i love the weather out here in dallas you know it'll probably be like 180 uh <laughs> you know you could boil you cook your breakfast outside but here it's it's more cool it'll give you like a florida scene but uh man i love it i love the weather here and i just love how everything like it's cool and relaxed hey,
1: Who,
0: who'd you grow oh good right
1: i was gonna say you know, I always thought like, okay, if I got drafted by an NFL team, would I just take on the like whatever the local other local teams are like for example the Golden State Warriors like I mean this is a pretty good one to take on but yep. are you now like a you you're trying to immerse yourselves in the Bay Area sports yeah, team? scene? Well, team? I've been
6: I've been a Golden State fan. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. and my, I know my little brother gonna see this and I know he gonna, he gonna talk his little crap. But uh, I've been a I've been a Golden State fan uh, way before we even got KD. So uh, it's just I always mess with Curry game Curry and Clay they have been the Splash Bros them. I because I love to shoot threes. I can go in there and dunk on you for a, a little bit, but I'm a three type of guy, so uh, I fell in love with Steph Curry's game and him and Clay. And I also love Draymond, the way he facilitates facilitate the ball around the team and he keeps the team together. So uh, Golden State, I would just say, yeah, that's my, that's my have team. Have you got
0: out to a game? Have you got out to a game yet? I have
6: not made a game. Uh, me and Trey were supposed to go catch a playoff game, but I had to fly out of town to go see some fam.
0: So, yeah. yeah. Give me your quick thought on Denver. Uh, you know what are they looking like on film? You guys watch a lot of film on your opponent. How they how do they look? So uh, Denver is a great
6: team. Once again, you know it's very hard to win in this league at all times. So uh, Denver is a great team, great group of guys. I know they have a great defense. Uh, not pretty sure what they have on the offensive side, but I know the defense is great. Patrick Sartan, a couple of guys Jackson back there. So uh, I just know
0: that we just got to bring it in. Come ready to play. You guys have had a great quarterback room, and obviously now you're going from Trey to Garoppolo. What is, from your perspective, how do the passes look different? Does anything change? Uh, not, not a lot. Uh, you know, you got two
6: style, two different styles of quarterback, but uh, nothing much really changed. Both of the quarter, both are great quarterbacks, uh, including Brock Purdy. Uh, I'll have different type of throwing arms, but they get you the ball. So that's all that matters. You Did that can give you get all, some? You oh. Get all the practice time with
1: Jimmy that you got with the other two no sir we asked asked Shanahan about it he says I don't think it's that big of a deal is it not a big deal the fact that that you you didn't get that time with him
6: to me honestly no Uh, you know Jimmy he's a vet He's a uh, star quarterback, Super Bowl, champ, Super Bowl quarterback at that. Uh, so to me, honestly, I feel that, you know, it, it do take time, you know, dealing with my type of speed. But uh, I feel that we're going to p- pick it up pretty quickly. Did
1: it fire you up that he uh, took that shot to you on fourth and eight? I know it wasn't complete, but still, it's like that's a vote of confidence. He's thrown to the edge of Danny Gray.
6: Yeah, most definitely. Uh, that actually made me smile a little bit that he trusted me, you know, to take that shot on fourth and eight. So uh, I just feel that, you know, it's going to be a lot of pretty good things to see
1: he's known for his uh, his accuracy on I mean, mid-range passes especially is that something like during and <laughs> specific that, that you noticed right away that Ball
6: is like exactly where you want it yes uh so what he does is he try to put it in your chest or he try to lead you wherever uh your route is headed so uh that's a great thing to me because I'm a fast guy I like to catch the ball on the run and continue that speed build up speed at that so uh he does a pretty great job at that
0: do you like catching the hitches and the short stuff and making a guy miss and go in the distance or would you rather run the deeper routes
6: oh I love I love it all it really doesn't matter to me whether I got a five-yard route one-yard route 30-yard route It doesn't matter to me. I just try to put, get the ball in my hands and make something happen with it. Good luck on Sunday.
0: If you want to know about, you know, how a team's playing or you kind of get the inner workings or feelings about how a team's feeling about themselves, go talk to the O line. And if there's a veteran guy, all the better. And what, what better guy to talk to than Jake Brendel? We caught up with the Niners center earlier this week in Santa Clara.
1: Yeah, a lot of
0: pressure. So. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. This is international, so step up your game. <laughs> all right, here we go. We're here in the Niner locker room with the Niner center, Jake Brendel, and obviously you guys feeling much better this week coming off a win. Uh, talk to us about what you saw on film with the, with the victory. Yeah,
4: uh, you know, it's, all, it's, it's always great to win, for sure. Uh, Any win in this league is a great win. Um, obviously, there's things we got to correct, but uh, I think we definitely played a lot better than the first week, and, you know, we can just keep progressing on that track. You know, it seemed like the offensive
0: line's doing a real nice job in the interior. There was so much talk about Banks and Burford and yourself, and would you guys be able to get it done? And two weeks in, the unit's grading out pretty highly right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, um, know, we kind of knew
4: what we were capable of, and we just had to execute on Sundays, and I feel like we're doing just that. So we just got to keep doing what we're doing. How does Denver look to you on film? Obviously, you guys are ahead of us as far as taking a deep dive and looking at them. What do they look like? Yeah, they're a good team, for sure. Um, they got weapons on offense and weapons on defense. Uh, they, def- they definitely acquired a couple of weapons with Gregory and uh, D. Jones, you know, well, we obviously know him pretty well. So, uh, you know, we just got to look at them on film and make sure we
0: have a good plan and just execute. When we have to execute. Yeah, you, you practice against two outstanding interior guys, but you also know DJ. DJ's low, compact, and really, really strong. What's the challenge this week with him? Um, really, it's going to be pad level and
4: leverage, like it is with every nose guard. You know, uh, I feel like Seattle set us up for it's like uh, success going into the Denver game. So I feel like if we just do the same things we did against Seattle, we'll
0: be good. What's the key as far as, you know, you got young guys, but you also have veteran tackles. How's the communication going, and how key is that to success on the O-line? Our
4: communication's everything. You know, we got to be all on the same page, all five of us. So, you know, it's, you know, it starts with me, but it also starts with our tackles, seeing, you know, the edge guys for me and making sure that they, you know, relay anything that I can't see from the center position to me and stuff like that. Um, it's nice that the guards are in the middle of us, so, you know, they they are kind of like the transition between me and the tackles so i feel like uh we're having a good system right
0: now last one i got for you um what's the difference for you from your perspective going from a a, you know a a trey lance who's mobile extends plays to garoppolo who you know more of a first look and go
4: kind of a passer Uh, i think not a lot of changes with us you know it's kind of the next man up mentality um, you know, obviously things are going to probably change a little bit s- schematically, but that's not our problem really. So uh, we just got to show up and make sure that we do the best we can for whoever's back there.
0: Thanks, Jake. All right, Ryan, that does it for the Tales from the Bay podcast, episode number three. Hope everybody enjoyed some of those player interviews and hearing from Nick Cosmiter and, and looking ahead to Niners Broncos, national TV. Russell 16 and four against the Niners, but the Niners roll in as uh, looking very much like the better football team. I'm expecting a
1: Niner win. Can't wait to talk about it next week. Let's go. I mean, it's, uh, it's just, it's going to be nice to watch an exciting game between two teams on Sunday night football. That's, that's just always the best
0: national TV Niners Broncos until next time he's Ryan Smith. I'm Larry Krueger. This has been the tales from the Bay podcast.